1: Hello, and welcome to episode 111 of the Love Life Connection. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about, is it really love? And I just want to warn you that this can be a little bit of a touchy topic. And I've worked with a lot of women to know that sometimes when they're describing a current relationship or a past relationship, I know that they're describing it through rose-colored glasses. I mean, I've definitely been there before. And I also want to be clear that even though I'm questioning or asking you to question past relationships to ask yourself, well, was it really love? I want to be clear that I don't want to invalidate how you felt or are feeling in a current relationship. And it's really a cornerstone of my coaching and how I teach my clients to treat themselves. For example, if you're feeling sad about a relationship ending and you're beating yourself up because you know logically he was a jerk... I want you to let yourself be sad because there's still the feeling of rejection in the mourning of the hope that this relationship could have been it. And so being sad is completely normal and it's completely healthy. And in fact, stuffing down the sadness just because you think, oh, it's silly that you're feeling sad is actually only gonna have its have it rear its ugly head in some other way down the line. So it's gonna just, you know, it's like a pressure cooker, it's gonna come back up and haunt you one way or another. So it's good just to let it out when it wants to be let out. But here's the thing about love. I don't necessarily put love in the same category as I put other emotions. And this is just from the way that I coach. So obviously, if you look up the definition of love, it will be A, an emotion just like any other kind of emotion. So, in my point, or from my point of view, and how I work with my clients to think about love, and this also goes for happiness, joy, and sadness, and excitement, and nervousness, and anxiousness. So, all the good and bad emotions, anger, I'll put there that too. um, All those emotions can be felt at any given moment, and you can switch relatively quickly between any two of those emotions. But I tend to put again, like I said, happiness and love in different categories, because I like to feel I like to see them more as like states of beings, rather than emotions. Because I don't think love and happiness are emotions that you can just feel at any given moment. And then one day you feel the love and then next day you don't feel the love. And I think, So I think we tend to be here over an extended period of time. So for example, you can be really furious at your partner. You can be really, really angry or sad about something that he does, but you can still love him or you can have a setback in your career, but generally still feel happy. So I hope that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, come over to Instagram. I'm at Veronica E. Grant. Send me a direct message or comment on one of my photos and let me know so I can maybe do a follow-up episode just to make sure this is really clear that love and happiness are really states of being because they're not really emotions that you can flip-flop really quickly, whereas other emotions like sadness or joy or excitement or nervousness, they're not really states of being, but more they are emotions that you can be feeling while you're feeling the love or the happiness, and they're much easier to flip-flop. So let's talk about love, because when I hear women recount the relationships to me, They're trying to convince me or tell me that they really loved him or that he really loved her. And then all of a sudden, he just blindsided her by leaving her or leaving her for someone else or marrying the next person that he was with. And, you know, here's the thing. Look, obviously things happen. But generally speaking, I'm really skeptical when I hear stories about being blindsided. Yes, you might have, that might have been your experience. So, your experience might have been feeling like you were blindsided. But to an outside eye, an unbiased perspective, I'm going to guess that you could probably have seen this coming from a mile away. Now, it's still your experience. So, I don't expect you to be completely unbiased and that separated and pulled away from the situation because then you don't really have emotions in, involved. So, this episode is not about me telling you that you are feeling quote unquote wrong because you're feeling how you're feeling, but it's more about to help you see from maybe a bird's eye perspective of different kinds of relationships, either that you've been in or one relationship that you're in now so that you can empower yourself to have a better understanding of what love is and isn't. And then therefore better protect yourself in the future. And I don't mean building up a bunch of castle walls and not letting anyone in, but just understanding, you know, what really is love and what love isn't so that you don't get blindsided by people just all of a sudden leaving you or leaving you for someone else or cheating on you or whatever that thing is. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk to you about three different scenarios that are super common. I see all the time. They feel like love. Sometimes they look like love, but really they aren't. And if you're in these situations and you stay in these situations, you're really setting yourself up for heartbreak and disappointment. I also want to say before we get to scenario one, that the day that I'm recording this, it is really, really windy in Denver. And the bad thing about having a really good mic is that it picks up everything. Now, um, Katie, who edits my podcast for me, will hopefully get most of the background noises out. But if you do hear the wind blowing in the background, then my apologies. And hopefully, it maybe somewhat just feels or sounds like I'm just sitting outside in lovely nature, even though I'm not outside, this wind is just really, really crazy. Okay. So with that PHCSA out of the way, let's get started. And the first scenario that I find a lot of women get confused with love is filling a void. Now, if you've been with me with for a while, and especially if you've ever worked with me, especially in the Dating Mindset boot camp when I used to run that program, then you definitely have heard me talk about the puzzle piece and the Venn diagram analogy. So if you haven't heard me talk about this, then I'm going to explain it. And then if you have, just bear with me for just a moment so I can catch everyone else up. But basically, if you think of, excuse me, if you think of two puzzle pieces, you basically have the male part of the puzzle piece, the part that sticks out and connects with a piece around it. And then that other piece has the void. And so to speak, the, you know, those two puzzle pieces fit in together. And that's really what a puzzle is, right? This is, you know, this is like what kindergarten science or something. (laughs) Um, The two puzzle pieces go together. And this is actually how a lot of relationships are. And this is actually, I think, how relationships are portrayed in, Um, society of what is a good relationship, like my better half, or he completes me, you know, I mean, one of my favorite movies is Jerry Maguire, and like the you complete me thing. It's like, no, 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 because these relationships can feel really, really good when they're good. But they can also get toxic really, really quickly. Because think of it like this, you know, that void is being filled by somebody else, right. And so Basically what that means, if you're in a relationship that's like a puzzle piece, then you basically need your partner to feel happy or confident or secure or loved or whatever that feeling is that you can't generate on your own. And of course, your partner should make you feel those things. They should make you feel happy, confident, secure, loved, etc. Or whatever your desired feelings are in your ideal relationship. But they aren't your sole source of happiness, confidence, security, love, all of those things. Because when your partner becomes your sole source, like if he, if you feel like a nobody or nothing or worthless, if you're not with him or just not in a relationship generally, then no matter what, those relationships are always going to feel like they aren't enough. And you're going to get frustrated by your partner when he's not making you feel those things. Because the problem is, is that it's impossible for him to be that, to be that sole source of happiness, joy, confidence, secure, love, whatever. Ultimately, it's up to you to make yourself feel like that. Because when actually you can bring those things to the relationship too, you actually get a lot more of those feelings back in return. So it's like you give to to get rather than just trying to to get. But here's the problem with these relationships and why they can feel so good and why they're hard to leave is because when things are good, when that puzzle piece is really fitting in nicely, it can feel really good. And the sex particularly is probably really good, making, that, making you think that it's love, but it's just really two people filling each other's voids. And this can be a one-way street or a two-way street. And the Venn diagram, what I think the ultimate goal is, and really what the ultimate goal of my coaching, and if you did the date yourself challenge with me, the ultimate goal is to for you to become a complete circle. So there's no voids, there's no breaks in the circle. And when you do that, then it's so much easier to attract a fellow circle, right? Someone who also doesn't have any voids or breaks in the circle. And then you meet up in the center, So creating a Venn diagram. And so every healthy relationship has three distinct parts. There's you, there's so your circle, there's your partner, so his circle, and then there's the place where the two circles meet in the middle. And that really is the team or the partnership. And that should always be your goal. And so I really want you to ask yourself if you've been in a past relationship where it kind of feels like that puzzle piece or you're in one now, I really want you to take a hard look and see where can you shift um, or maybe does the relationship just need to kind of shift out of your life? All right, so the second type of relationship that can feel like love but isn't is not Is when two people's issues dovetail each other. Now, when I mean two people's issues dovetail each other, what I mean is that your issues are the reasons why you're attracted to each other. Now, the most common example is the narcissist people pleaser trap. I've talked about that a lot before, so I'm not gonna talk about it here. If you're like, oh, that's interesting, I keep attracting narcissists, or oh, that's interesting, I'm a people pleaser, does this happen to me? Then make sure you listen to episode 94. Just go to veronicagrant.com forward slash episode 94. Um, Or you can scroll down on your podcast player, wherever you're listening to this, and just scroll to episode 94. There's another episode about the pleaser that I did when I did the four-part series of Your Dating Energy. I believe it's episode... It's around episode 103 or 104. I can't remember exactly which one right now, but I'll put that in the show notes. Or just scroll down until you see an episode called The Pleaser. And and listen to both of those if you relate to being a people pleaser. Or if you're not sure if you if you're a people pleaser, but you know that you're attracting narcissists, then definitely listen to ideally both of those episodes. Okay. So let me give you some other examples of two people's issues dovetailing is our codependent relationships. Now, I'm just going to throw out some examples. Perhaps your partner has extreme jealousy and therefore controls you a lot. He wants to know where you are, who you're talking to what kind of job you have and what you're doing in your free time. And maybe he doesn't want you to have any other guy friends or only wants to hang out with certain people or no one else at all. So this is just obviously him playing out his own issues, right? Like I think that should be pretty obvious. Like no one is born being like this. They learn this from childhood growing up and their whatever their situation was as a kid. Um, So perhaps he has control and jealousy issues because perhaps of abandonment, or um, from from childhood, or more likely, he didn't feel safe or secure or loved in childhood. So the only way he was able to get that was by figuring out what he could control and couldn't control. And so now as an adult, this is playing out in his romantic relationships. And so maybe you as a child, maybe your household was really strict and maybe you were controlled a lot and didn't have a lot of freedom to really be you or um, maybe you didn't get love or attention that you wanted. And so in some ways, this relationship feels familiar. You may not like it. You don't want to be in this kind of relationship. You did not love the household you grew up, you grew up in, but you kind of know what to do. You know how to cope. You know how to handle yourself and being in an actual relationship unquote, health or normal and healthy relationship actually feels a little foreign and scary and weird to you. So it makes sense that you would gravitate towards a relationship without, you know, having done any work on yourself that resembled the household or the kind of relationships you experienced with your parents from when you were a child. So in these kind of relationships, You know, so you've got like the person who feels safe being controlled because, on in some level, you're getting some love and attention from him, and he's the one who feels safe controlling someone. So when things are good in that relationship, generally they're really good, and the reason why they're really good is because he knows how to tear you down and to strip away your confidence, but then he also knows how to rebuild you and to soothe you and to make you feel really good about yourself. So he becomes not only your source of, you know, agony and stress and anxiety and anger and sadness and hurt, but he also becomes kind of your comfort and safety even though again, he's kind of treating you like crap. And part of the building you up and making you feel really good is creating some sort of emotional intimacy. So maybe he told you something about his childhood or his past or his past relationship or just something, I don't know, it could be anything really. And maybe he'll say something like, well, I've never shared this with anyone before. I don't feel comfortable talking about this with other people. And you know, that might be true. He's probably not lying. I mean, I don't know, maybe he is, but he's probably not lying when he tells you this. But when he does this, and during during the rebuilding phase of the relationship, it gives you that false sense of security and sense that it's love, because he's telling you this stuff. You're like, oh, he really must love me. And you know, when things are bad, that just must be how a relationship is, or it's just like the things that we have to deal with or whatever. Um, but it's really not love itself. Because I think, you know, love is going to be different for every single person. I think ultimately love and happiness, kind of like I talked in the beginning of the show, are states of being more than emotions. And so I think that to know what makes you happy, to know what makes you feel loved, I think it's important to know what feelings you want to feel in order to feel loved. But I think what it does all come back down to, no matter what specific ways you want to feel in order to feel loved, it comes all back down to trust. And while there might be some really good times in the relationship, the fact that you don't know how he'll be or how tumultuous the relationship will be from week to week, or the fact that... You, you may you may not you may not be, go out and really live your life while being in this relationship inherently means there's no trust. and when there's no trust, you can't fully be seen. there might be times of emotional intimacy, definitely physical intimacy but emotional intimacy in the relationship but you're not really 100% being seen and when you can't be seen, love just cannot exist. Love needs intimacy and it needs vulnerability okay. And also, by the way, when I say intimacy, I usually don't even mean physical intimacy. I usually mean into me, I see being vulnerable and In- intimacy into me, I see. It's a really easy way to remember what intimacy is all about. So anyways, remember what feels like love is really just a comfort and a f- familiarity and getting some sort of attention or affection that you craved as a child, but maybe didn't get. Remember, he needs to control And he needs to, he, he knows how to control by giving you what you crave most, which is affection and attention, which you might not have gotten as a child. And you're willing to put up with the rest of the crap. Because again, when it's good, it's really good. And in these kind of relationships, the sex happens to be really good usually. And that can definitely be really confusing and definitely disguise itself as love. And I think it's really easy when you're in this place to begin to wonder if this is the best that there is, or maybe you believe that this is just how relationships are because it's all you've ever known that sometimes things are really, really, really good. And then sometimes things are really, really, really bad. All right. But that's not how relationships um have to be. There can be more of that equilibrium where yes, every relationship's gonna have fights and arguments, um, but that level of trust and vulnerability and um, security never really go away, even in fights and unhealthy relationships. So I think that's something important to keep in mind. Okay. So the third way that you can get confused with love, and I think this is pretty common, definitely common for me. It's pretty short explanation. So I I think you're going to get it as soon as I start talking about it. But this is idealizing your partner or idealizing them to the person they actually aren't or even idealizing the relationship. So what this means is ultimately you're putting your partner or the idea of who you of who you want your partner to be in your head on a pedestal. But the truth is is that or the reality is is that they're not that person either because they're just they're just not and it's just a completely fabricated image of how you have put them in your in your mind or they're just never going to to be like that. So this is the ultimate rose-colored glasses because you're falling in love with the idea of him rather than actually him. And so if you've listened to my episodes on How I Found Love, it's a six-part series I did last summer. They're episodes 81 through 86. If you haven't listened, highly, highly recommend. You can just scroll down your podcast player or go to my site, veronicagrant.com forward slash episode 81, and then just go in order. And those are the numbers, 81, and then just go in order until you get to 86. Um, then you'll realize that this was a huge pattern that I had. Um particularly the relationships, especially the second relationship that I had when I was living in Jerusalem, I would daydream just ad nauseum about our relationship and what it could be and what I wanted him to be. And then I would try to recreate what I had in my head in real life. And nine times out of 10, 9.9 times out of 10, I'd be disappointed because, you know, Creating a scenario in real life involves a two-way street. And so I would be the only one who would knew what would happen in this daydream of mine, but I would really be trying to recreate that in my in my life. And when the scenario didn't play out, or when he disappointed me, or when even I got more messaging from him that he was not as interested in the relationship, that I was as I was. I refused to have a reality check. And I just kept the rose colored glasses on because at the time, it was too painful. It was more painful to take the rose colored glasses off than it was to just keep them on and keep my head in the sand ultimately. And I even led my friends and my family to believe that the relationship was something that it wasn't because I thought by doing so, Eventually the relationship would catch up to my beliefs or my expectations of what I wanted it to be and what I thought it could be. And as I say this out loud right now, it seems like totally crazy, but I know that this is normal. like I'm definitely not the only one who's experienced this. Maybe I know many of you listening to this have experienced something like this. Maybe you're kind of in it right now. Um, and I think this probably happened more than once with relationships, but this is definitely the most significant because it resembled, a relationship most like I was always crushing on guys especially in college and interested in a lot of people but it was never like a quote-unquote real relationship at all so this was definitely the furthest I went with this because with with these color rose colored glasses because it did somewhat resemble a relationship more than these other people that came before before him Okay, so there you have it. You have three ways that you thought something might have been love, but it really wasn't. So again, the the first way that something feels like love, but it's not is the puzzle piece situation. So again, it's the um, filling each other's voids of how you wanna be feeling. And then the second way that love gets disguised is through codependent relationships or relationships where two people's issues dovetail each other. So you attract each other because of your issues. So you might have similar issues like around jealousy or intimacy or your relation, or excuse me, or your issues might be the opposite of each other, like being controlled versus controlling or being a people pleaser versus being a narcissist. So those are like opposite ends of the spectrum. And so that's why they attract to each other. And then finally, the third way that something feels like love, but it's not, is just when you have your head in the sand and have the rose colored glasses on. And so my hope is that when I describe these scenarios or different situations to you that it's, um, you know, it's it's not so hard to see how, you know, when you kind of get more of the bird's eye perspective, like how these relationships are kind of built on rocky terrain. And it could really end up at flame uh, in flames at any moment so that you don't get blindsided um, as often, because I really think that you look like Of course, there are anomalies, and of course, things happen. And of course, things sometimes people are really, really good at hiding things. But you know, try me on this because you send me a message on Instagram if you want. Because I really, really believe nine times out of ten that it was not as blindsided. As it needed to to be, um, just by building some more awareness, and I think these are just—I mean, there's obviously a lot more situations out there. These are just the three main situations that I see, because really, my goal with my clients especially with my private clients that I work with is really for me to help them become their own detective in their life and to get curious about relationships. So it's not judging about, you know, something as good or bad. It's not about um, knowing exactly what your intuition saying or what decision you need to make in any given situation. But it's really just about being a detective like, okay, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what's behind that. I wonder what the fear is. I wonder what the pattern is. I wonder what the core wound is. I wonder how the dots connect Act here, so that I can understand what may or may not happen for me in the future with this person that I'm that I'm with, and when you can really turn on that kind of thinking, then really a lot of things can begin to um, begin to shift for you. And you know, I think I think a lot of what keeps women stuck and not building this awareness is that we're just so angry at ourselves for our mistakes or think that something's wrong with us, or we're judging us for our past relationships. And, you know, I just want you to know that how how not alone you are. You know, I talk to so many clients. I get so many emails and Instagram messages and all that kind of good stuff and I wish I could share it with all of you just so you know how not alone you are obviously I'm not going to so please don't be afraid if I sent if you sent me an email I'm not going to share it so and please do keep sending me emails but I just wish that you could see how you how not alone you are because when you do feel alone it's so easy to feel disconnected disempowered and disappointed. And I think that when you're in this place of disconnection, disempowerment and disappointment, it's really easy to put off getting support because um, there are really so many good excuses. I mean, money and time are always good excuses, but also wondering like, well, anything can can anything ever change for me? Or can I actually change? Or maybe this is just the way that I was wired. And none of that is is true. I have worked with so many clients who have been, you know, from really crappy, abusive marriages to now being in really happy, healthy relationships. And so if you're at a place where you're just done with trying to figure it out and you're done trying to figure it out by yourself only to end up exactly where you were before, I want you to know that right now I have three private client openings and I probably won't have any more openings until this summer, later this summer. I don't usually take on also as many private clients as I used to. So if you're interested in working together, you don't have to be 100% certain, but like, I don't know, 70% more, maybe curious about it, whatever it is, then please don't delay. So when you work with me one-on-one, I really become your partner and helping you build awareness as to why you do what you do. And then where I think I take things a step further, where coaching takes a step further than therapy, it really helps you create a real world action plan. So it's not just a bunch of awareness that you're building, but you actually create the tools and the skills Um, and, And use the exercises that I give you to actually create a real world change. So you actually start attracting a different kind of guy, a different kind of relationship so that you can find a lifelong healthy partnership. So when I work with my clients, I help them do all sorts of things. Some things I help them do are drop their stories so they can write a new one and then feel more confident and like themselves on a date. And I'll help you get over an ex so you can discover the soul lessons from that relationship so that you don't get stuck in another relationship just like it. And I'll help you unpack your old baggage so you can feel more confident so you can attract the high quality relationships that you deserve. So again, I only have about three spots available right now. So if you're interested in learning more, please head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. And there you can read a little bit more about how I work with clients. I've got a couple testimonials and stories of old clients that I've worked with. And then um, there's also a form there on that same page to fill out. And when you fill that out, then you can hop on an introductory coaching call with me. And that's just the first step to really see if working together is the right next step for you. And you don't have to worry. I will be 100% honest if I think I can support you and if coaching really is the right next step. Um, So we'll just chat for about half an hour to see if it's a good fit. And, you know, I've seen clients who were perpetually the single one um, meet the one, get married or get engaged or clients who were kind of almost even intimidated or scared of men because of past situations or relationships, meet really, really special partners. Um, I've seen women who only attracted jerks and narcissists start attracting really great men. And now it's just a matter of finding the right one. I've seen clients who Um, you know, used to get their confidence from dating and how many guys they had matched on Tinder, get it from within so they can start growing other areas of their life too, like their health or finances or career, home environment, things like that. So when you coach with me, it's not just about the dating, because let's be honest, the dating is simply a symptom of something else. It's really more of a personal growth journey so that, yes, you can find love and be on that path, but also so you can find a career that you love or learn to love the job that you have and improve your finances, because money is a huge indicator of our self-worth. Feel better in your body and improve platonic relationships like with family and girlfriends and so much more. So again, your first step to explore working with me is to hop on an introductory coaching call with me, which you can do at veronicagrant.com forward slash coaching. All right, my dear, that is all I have for you today. And I will catch you next week on the Love Life Connection. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. Remember this, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You aren't broken, you don't need to be fixed, and even if you've never had the relationship you want before, it doesn't mean you can't have it now.